0: Um, The reading is in Acts 21, starting in Acts 21, verse 37, and it's on page 1730 in the Black Bibles, and it will also be on the screen. So I'll just give you a second to look that up. As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, May I say something to you? Do you speak Greek, he replied. Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists into the wilderness some time ago? Paul answered, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. After receiving the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic.
1: Brothers and fathers, listen to my defense. When they heard him speak in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicily, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison, as the high priest and all the council can themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About noon as I came near Damascus, Suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me and I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go to Damascus. There you will be told all that, you have, that has been assigned uh, for you to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus, because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment I was able to see him. And then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people and what you have seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately Because the people here will not accept your testimony about me Lord, I replied, these people know That I went from, synagogue, from one synagogue after another To imprison and beat those who believe in you And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. And then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles.
0: The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, Rid the earth of him, he's not fit to live. As they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the commander ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. He directed that he be flogged and interrogated in order to find out why the people were shouting at him like this. As they stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the centurion standing there, is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and reported it. "'What are you going to do?' he asked. "'This man is a Roman citizen.' The commander went to Paul and asked him, "'Tell me, are you a Roman citizen?' "'Yes, I am,' he answered. Then the commander said, "'I had to pay a lot of money for my citizenship.' "'But I was born a citizen,' Paul replied. Those who were about to interrogate him withdrew immediately. The commander himself was alarmed when he realised that he had put Paul, a Roman citizen, in chains.
2: Hello friends, my name is Ken Noakes, good to be back uh, with you. Um, exciting day. Great to have a new senior minister, uh, which is great. Um, he does have two more gatherings this afternoon who will hear tonight that he's moving on. So if you can keep that quiet until after those two gatherings, that would be good. It's Mother's Day. So mothers, grandmothers, godmothers, aunties, it's wonderful when you have a spiritual role of bringing people up. Um, happy Mother's Day, and this is a great day for many. Let's pray. Lord and Father, when and how you call people to yourself is totally up to you. You know that. We often need to be reminded. Before us now is a record of how you chose to call the Apostle Paul to yourself, And before me now sit many who have, you have called into the faith of Jesus Christ. And perhaps there's also some sitting here today who are willing to consider what you have done for them in Jesus. So help us all to come to terms with your call. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well friends, I had intended to start this morning by telling you my testimony. But after hearing this, I'm not gonna bother because that was fantastic, wasn't it? Isn't God amazing? Uh, And uh, it's thrilling to hear someone who wasn't even looking for God to have God come and find them and reach out to them in such a dramatic way. Uh, Makes us realize how great God is. Well, in Acts 22, which hopefully you've got there before you, Uh, That is Paul's testimony. There is a record there of, it's the second record of three records in Acts where he gives his testimony. A Christian testimony uh, describes what Jesus did to bring you from dark to light, from lost to found. This is a Christian testimony before us in Acts. Uh, now, I'm starting at the end of chapter 21, and it would be helpful if you can follow with me. I'm going I'm to take you through, not word for word, phrase by phrase, sentence by sentence, but over quite, well, as you can see, quite a large section of Scripture here. Uh, and so it would be helpful to have that there and watch what I'm saying. Uh, to set the scene, as we'd heard last week, this is just after, the Roman commander had given instruction to remove Paul from a riotous crowd uh, who were calling for Paul's head. Now there are a couple of misunderstandings going on here which will help us to get our head around as as it sets the scene. The Jews in the crowd were doing everything they could to protect their religion. They had been told that Paul had been trying to undermine their Judaistic culture by speaking against them as a people, by discrediting their laws and by desecrating their temple. And so motivated by a love for their religion, they opposed Paul. On the other hand, the Romans, the the secular ruling authorities of the day, were doing everything they could to protect the peace. They'd been told that Paul was an Egyptian terrorist. Now, let me tell you a little bit about that. And you can see that there that this is sort of referred to. Three years earlier, according to the historian Josephus, the, there was an Egyptian false prophet who led a revolt of thousands to the base of the Mount of Olives, which was adjacent to Jerusalem, just to the east within Uh, within uh, spitting distance really, Uh, his aim, uh, this Egyptian terrorist's aim, was to overthrow Roman rule. Not good. So perhaps that Roman commander in Acts 21 had assumed that Paul was this Egyptian terrorist, he's trying to protect the peace, so he needs to get this under control. A couple of misunderstandings sit around the circumstances that we have as we look at this particular passage. And it's shown in, in the way that each group, the Jews and the Romans, are trying to protect something that they hold dear. The Jews protecting their religion, the Romans protecting the peace. Okay, now in Adelaide today... We don't have those two pressure points, do we? What's the point of looking at this passage when that's obviously not an issue for us today? But we still live under the shroud of all sorts of different misunderstandings. The religion of today is really all about self-determination, isn't it? And so if the understanding is that Christians are trying to control people and force them to live in a particular way then the response will be to do whatever they can to protect the religion of self-determination. And from a political point of view, if the understanding is that Christians are trying to make people believe something that's going to create a division or a schism, then our political leaders will do whatever they can to protect the peace by legislating to control what we can and cannot say. So in Acts, we may have different circumstances, but really it just shows that humanity hasn't moved a great deal in the way that we might apply or live the way that we try and control what happens with Christianity. So, Paul is about to be taken to the barracks and he asks if he can address the crowd. He says in verse 39, I'm a Jew from Tarsus and Sicilia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Now there's a clue in what Paul says that should raise alarm bells, which will become a little bit more important later on in the chapter. Who describes themselves as a citizen of no ordinary city? That's a bit strange, isn't it? That's like me saying I'm a citizen of a land down under. Um, It's a weird way of sort of describing where you're from. The commander has, at this point, has already got Paul's identity wrong and so now he's about to get his citizenship wrong as well. Not the first time that's happened. And what he does is he overlooks the fact that Paul has even more right than the commander to address the people of Jerusalem. So, having got permission, Paul steps up and he begins his first defense speech. And you notice... That he speaks in Aramaic, the language of the educated, at the time. This poor commander. He's got Paul's identity wrong, he's got his citizenship wrong, and now he discovers that Paul is no fool. In fact, he's bilingual and educated. We know him to be trilingual. So (laughs) commander's not having a particularly good he's supposed to be an Egyptian terrorist. And so Paul begins, chapter 22, verse 1. Brothers and fathers, obviously it wasn't Mother's Day that day, was it? Brothers and fathers, very respectful way of starting, Uh, and the crowd goes silent. I'm a Jew, born in a Jewish town and educated in this city, in Jerusalem. In fact, I'm educated under the esteemed leader, Gamalel, whom no one can pronounce his name and whom you probably know, because he's so esteemed, and he comes from this city. In other words, I'm like you. I'm not trying to undermine our authority. I was trained in the law. In fact, I was zealous for upholding the law, as you obviously are. I persecuted the members, uh, the followers of the Way, to the point of death, regardless of gender. I was throwing folk into prison like it was nut, like it was like it was everybody's business. It's great. And if you if you don't believe me, then why don't you just talk to the high priests and the Jewish council because they were the ones who organised it for me to do that. They even sent me to Damascus. To find more of these followers and to bring them back here and throw them into prison. If you're zealous for the law, (laughs) I was your man. But you need to know what happened to me. It changed everything. On my way, I was suddenly blinded by a light from heaven. Those who were with me saw it as well. I fell to my knees and then I heard a voice. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you? I am Jesus of Nazareth. (laughs) Well, that's remarkable. (laughs) You were on a cross. Everybody saw you on a cross. You were dead. It is well known that you were killed on a cross. Why are you talking to me? What do you want from me? Get up. Go to Damascus. And once there, I'll tell you what I want you to do. So I got up. I was led by my friends, taken to Damascus to a man called Ananias. He was also a devout man of, man of the law, respected by the Jews there. And he gave me my sight back. You see, I'd been told that that's where Jesus would... Well, Jesus had told me what he wanted me to do. And this was my commission. Verse 14. The God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous and to hear the righteous one and to hear the words... From his mouth, you will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. Now get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on his name. That changed my life. What we as Jews have always known that from the God of our fathers, Abraham and Isaac and and Jacob... Will come a righteous one? Will come a Messiah? We've always known that. Well, that Messiah, it turns out, it's Jesus. The very one who I disregarded, who I've been persecuting by tracking down those who were proclaiming his name. That Messiah who chose to speak to me and those who were with me to ensure that I knew it was him. And that Messiah who told me to change my tune. I needed to be his witness, not hunt his witnesses down. So I returned here to Jerusalem, this city of David, this city of the Messiah. And I went to the temple to pray as any good Jew should. And while I was there, Jesus spoke to me again. And you know what? He told me that you lot... That you, you Jews, you would not accept what I had to say about him. So I had to go. Where would I go? Jews everywhere know that I persecuted the followers of Jesus. They'll never trust me if I start proclaiming him. And so Jesus told me, Go. I'm sending you to the Gentiles. Well, that's Paul's conversion story. Allow me to make two observations, and I'm going to make an aside as well, if you'll go with me. First observation. Paul was not looking for Jesus. Jesus was looking for him. Jesus can call whom he wants. It may be that he calls those who are ready to hear what he has to say, those who are actively checking him out, seekers for want of a better word, those who have the gumption to check out what has been said and what's been done about Jesus. Now it should not be a surprise when someone who is willing to look for Jesus finds him. The fact that so many in our world have a problem with this man should give us at least some pause for thought. What is it about him that make people react? Perhaps there is a misunderstanding at play and checking out Jesus is one of the ways to check out whether there is any substance to those reactions. And so if you're here because you are willing to do just that, to check out Jesus, well, I commend you and I hope that you'll find in him one who is calling you to himself. As Thea did. But it may be that Jesus chooses to call a person to himself who is doing the exact opposite of checking out Jesus. Like Paul. Now, friends, take heart here that even those who seem so antagonistic, so far from any hope of knowing Jesus, that for for them, there is still hope. If Jesus can choose to call someone like Paul and to give him the job of calling others to Christ, then it's very possible that he could call the person you know who is totally against the whole idea of having a Savior in their life. And you know, friends it may be that Jesus has given you the job to reach that very person. Now here's the aside. It could be helpful to point out here that how Jesus chooses to speak to you may look very different to the way he chose to speak to Paul. You know, whether it's miraculously in visions and dreams and bright lights, voices from heaven, it's well within his means. Speak to somebody who's become a Christian out of a Muslim background and often that is their testimony. But it's not normal. It wasn't for Paul. It's not really for today either. But what is normal and clear is that he chooses to speak through his word empowered by his spirit so that all who come to it will know with certainty what he is asking of them and as such any vision or dream or bright light or voice if it is in in accord with what is revealed to us in his word then it's worth listening to the best way The simplest way, the clearest way to meet Jesus, meet him in his word. The best way, the simplest, the clearest way to introduce others to Jesus is by reading the word with them. Let them discover, let Jesus speak through his word to them. Okay, so observation one, Paul was not looking for Jesus, Jesus was looking for him. And here's observation two. Paul's conversion changed his life. Sounds obvious, doesn't it? But it changed his life. As Paul set out to Damascus, his intent could not have been further opposed to what he ended up doing. Meeting Jesus turned his life around. And by the time he got to Damascus, this man had a totally different purpose in life. He was no longer trying to persecute Jesus. He was trying to promote Jesus. And what Jesus, through people like Ananias, called Paul to do was to be his witness. And Paul would only do that if he now believed. And so in verse 16, he gives four instructions. Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, and as you move forward, call on the name of the Lord. Okay, four quick instructions. Now, when you become a Christian, it turns your life around. It seems to me that in becoming a Christian, those four things are helpful and logical steps to take. Let me look quickly at it. Get up. Get up. no, no. Get up. Get the idea. When you accept Jesus as Lord, then doing little seems counterintuitive. If it's going to completely change your life around, it's going to change some of the things you do. Get up. So get up and, 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 and get ready to do something. Second, be baptized. If you now know that Jesus is Lord, then declare it. It helps no one, including yourself, to sit on that newfound wisdom. You have a precious stone to show off. Don't hide it in your pocket as if you're the only one who should benefit. You, know, you, get, en- you get engaged. Great news! You ever notice how the bride walks around and the ring, and the ring finger sort of directs them as they walk uh, through There's a reason for that. It's because it's showing off something that's special. It's it's momentous. It's it's wonderful. Baptism is is only is one way. It's not the only way to stand publicly for what you now believe. Now your hills weekend away or weekend together is coming up uh, June long weekend, and at that uh, there's an opportunity. To get baptized, if you haven't been baptized before, or or to, to make statements affirming your faith in Jesus. Let me encourage you to take up that opportunity. That's a really fantastic thing to do. That's totally in line with what you see here in Acts. So get up, be baptized. Third, wash away your sins. No one can come to Jesus and ask him to be Savior if they don't think they need to be saved. And what is it that we need to be saved from? That which puts us at odds with the Lord. That terribly awful world, secular word today, sin. We need to be saved from our sin. That which we do, which we know that God doesn't want us to do. And so repent We acknowledge before God what we have done wrong and we call on him to forgive us, to wash our sins away. And of course, if you turn from your sin today, chances are that that sin is still worth turning away from tomorrow and the next day as well. Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins and call on his name. I take it that one of the benefits of becoming Christian is that as you now live your life moving forward, you continue to do that with Jesus as the living Lord, calling on him, continuing on in him. It's a way of saying, walk with him day in and out. Now, that may not always be easy. It wasn't for Paul. Yet one of the comforts, as we see with Paul, as we read through Acts, is that Although there is opposition at points, there were comforts and provisions made along the way. And that's the same for us today. A mark of a Christian is that they live a notably changed life to what they used to. a mark of a Christian is that they live a notably different life to what we see in the world around. I trust, I hope that as you live your Christian life out there in the big wide world, that what you say, how you say it, what you do, how you do it, is notably different to to what your life used to look like before you became a Christian, if you can remember then. And notably different to what we see on display in the world around. And in this charge should apply to all of the different contexts in which we live out our lives. Do your workmates see it? Does your family see it? Do the students around you see it? Do the mates on your sporting team see it? Do the shop assistants where you do your grocery shopping see it? Do the parents at your kid's school see it? They are all contexts where my Christian life is on display and you may have those or other contexts. How do you look? Well, at the point where the crowd hears that Paul has gone to the Gentiles, verse 22, they raise their voices and they call for him to be killed and the Romans step in and rescue. Jews are sticking to their game plan. This is the way we deal with things. Let's just kill them. And the Romans are sticking to their plan. Well, let's just keep the peace. There's nothing really different or revolutionary here. The commander orders for Paul to be flogged and then questioned. You know, torturing the accused is one way to solicit information that could lead to a conviction. And so they string them up, and as they're doing that, getting ready for the flogging, Paul turns to the centurion or or, or leans over to the centurion and says, "Is, Is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who has not been found guilty? Paul already knows the answer. Absolutely not. In fact, it's a capital offence to torture a citizen of the empire if no fault has been found. You, you know, I imagine at the point where the centurion and then the commander find out that they'd actually broken the law by stringing Paul up uh, to uh, so harshly, I, I suspect there were quite a few expletives um, expressed that can't be said in polite company. And this poor commander... He now realizes that he's got Paul's identity wrong. He's got his citizenship wrong. He's got his education wrong. And now, all of this time, he's been listening to the wrong people. He's supposed to be listening to the Romans, uh, to to the citizens, not to the Jews. Oh, what a bad day. Who knew that citizenship concerns could be such a political bombshell? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Apparently, then and now. <laughs> Here in Acts, we see the testimony of a man who became a Christian. It happened because he listened to Jesus. And it happened because Jesus chose him. So, let me, for a moment,. As we finish, consider both the external and the internal implications that this had on Paul and maybe it will have some some impact for us as well. Externally, he didn't lose his identity. He didn't deny his citizenship. He didn't have to forego his education. I wonder if one of the reasons why today when that folk will find it difficult to entertain the thought that they too could become a christian is because they are too worried that if they accept jesus they would have to give up too much can you relate to that was that is that your story i can almost understand that in places around the world where christian uh, where becoming christian is followed by extreme persecution but not in Adelaide. It's not against the law. This is a place where we're free to express ourselves without fear of a riot. We can use our time as we choose. We can gather where we want. We can invite whom we please. Externally, there is no persecution. At worst, there's pressure. Internally, internally for Paul, it completely turned Paul's life around. It changed what he lived for, what he aimed to achieve, what he thought was important and what he was willing to stand for. You know, if he was a career man, his career projection looked completely different. If he was a family man, what he did with his family looked completely different if he was a socialite what he did with his social life looked completely different if he was an academic what he did in the academy looked completely different so let me ask you do you have a testimony do you have a testimony Do you have a testimony of what Jesus has done in your life? And if you do, who hears it? And who sees it? Perhaps a challenge for each one of us this week, me included, is to have one conversation and tell someone you're a Christian and tell them why. Dear Lord Jesus, you called Paul to be your witness to all people of what he saw and heard. And you call Christians today, you call us today to be your witness to all people of what we know and understand. Help us to get up, be active in faith, to turn from sin, and to live calling upon your name. Amen.